0: Welcome back. This is the Accidental Safety Pro brought to you by HSI. This episode was recorded August 2nd, 2023. My name is Jill James, HSI's Chief Safety Officer. And by now, you might have noticed the new logo for our podcast. I hope you're enjoying it and finding the podcast easily. My guest today is Rusty Dials. Rusty is a CSP and a National Director of EHS in the Integrated Facilities Management Industry at ESFM. And joins us today from Thomasville, Georgia. Welcome to the show, Rusty.
1: Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I appreciate you making the time to speak with us today. Absolutely. And so, yeah, Rusty, what's your origin story? How did you, how did you find this world of EHS?
1: Oh, my. Um, it's, it was a, uh, uh, not a direct lawn. It was a very, very interesting road, I assure you. <laughs> um, I actually, I grew up in Kentucky. And Mm -hmm. I had went to school for public relations Mm. and yes, and uh, went to school for public relations. And and when I graduated from college, we were in a slight recession in the country. And the very first thing to go and to stop hiring was communications and PR jobs. So I couldn't get a job.
0: And is that that's what you. That's what you thought your job would be with a public relations degree? Is that kind of what you had your sights set on? Yes,
1: yes. I, I had definitely had my sight. I had done an internship during college for credits. Um, really enjoyed working for a PR firm. Um, mm-hmm. But as I said, I just, when I graduated, there were just no um, PR jobs, no entry level, I should say, entry level PR jobs or communications yeah. jobs to be had. Um, so I relocated to live with my sister in North Carolina. She owned her own company doing um, environmental agricultural consulting. And so, yeah, I helped out with her um, while I was still looking for a job because that was a temporary fix. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was still looking for um, some type of position and kind of getting myself integrated in her community down in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the deacons, of the local church that we went to approached me and said that he would like me to interview for a safety position
0: safety job well i mean that's super unusual (laughs) i thought you were going to say the local manufacturing company or something (laughs) but oh no it's the church well
1: funny enough it was for the manufacturing the local manufacturing it was a really sawmill yes but i didn't know that um i only knew Um, him as the deacon of my church, uh, of our church, and so it took a little bit to figure out that, yes, he actually was the plant manager for the local sawmill. Oh, interesting. And wanted me to uh, interview
0: for a environment health and safety coordinator position for a sawmill. And what did he, I mean, did he ever tell you, like, what he saw in you to say you know, like was it she has a pulse and I have a job, or what did he see What did he see in you? In yeah.
1: hindsight, I probably think that was the
0: case, but
1: uh-huh. <laughs> during the interview process, I interviewed for, with several people, and I, I ended up with him, and I did ask that question because I had no mm-hmm. idea why he thought I would work for this. Yeah. Um, and And funny enough, his his comment always his his response always stuck with me through the years was he said, mm-hmm. "You know, Rusty, I, I kind of got to know you a little bit." through church, he said, and I I do know that you have a degree in public relations. And he said, that's the piece I can't teach. He said, I can teach you Mm -hmm. the OSHA regulations and the EPA regulations and Mm -hmm. and the technical side of the job, but Mm -hmm. I can't teach you how to deal with people. He said, I can't Mm -hmm. teach you the soft skills that are needed for a safety job because the majority of what safety professionals do is some way interact with people um, interact with the associates, interact with agencies, interact, interact with management or executive leadership or whoever, whoever it might be. And Mm -hmm. he said that was the part that he couldn't teach. And that, that was the part that, you know, my education prepared me for. Um, and he just said, you know, I think you do a really good job. And so, Hmm. I did for four
0: years. (laughs) I mean, what a way to, what a way to step into the work. I mean, the sawmill industry is not for the faint of heart. It's
1: not, it's not. And I will tell you that I received, um, you know, one of those hard educations at that facility, good education, but, but, uh, I, it was very much, um, drinking through a fire hose almost immediately. Uh, We, they had applied for North Carolina's Voluntary Protection Program. Mm, mm -hmm. And I kid you not, I I think it was my first week there that we got the call from the ocean inspector going, hey, we're going to be there
0: for your preliminary inspection in a week. (laughs) Oh gosh. Wow. Yes. And so they're they're like, show me your program for this, show me your program for that. And you're like, what?
1: Yes, yes. Um, um and, and it was exactly that. I was getting a crash course and turned out the OSHA inspector for this program, he um was an old sawmiller, um, and hmm. just was, I mean, honestly, such a sweet human being and was took me under his wing, knowing that I was brand new to to the field. He's like, you know what? You just hang out with me. Let them answer, you know, let your boss and, and everybody else answer all the questions. You hang out with me and learn what the, all this is supposed to be about. Oh, wow. What a wonderful opportunity to learn. It was. It was. And so it was a three-day inspection and I hung out with the inspectors <laughs> uh-huh. and, and it was a preliminary. So basically what they were doing was going through and Evaluating the site, talking to the associates, and then coming back and making the recommendation to management of Mm -hmm. whether or not they should go through with the official inspection um, or, Mm -hmm. you know, and getting, and and they made recommendations, you you should, before you go through the official inspection, you should get these XYZ things done first. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And they did, they made the recommendation, we think you should do these two or three things and go ahead and schedule, you know, for maybe a month or two out uh, Mm -hmm. the official inspection. And so we did.
0: Oh my gosh. And did, did they end up getting the VPP status? Yes.
1: Yes. We were the first sawmill in North Carolina to have the North North Carolina star, which is what they call their VPP.
0: Wow. Yes. Well, congratulations. I mean, what a way to start your career. <laughs> yes. I mean, thank you. Set, set the bar high. Really? Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I, we yes. really did.
1: We really did. And, and then we uh, we recertified three years later, uh, right before mm-hmm. I actually I left the company. And um, unfortunately, the original Ocean Spectre had, had retired, so I didn't get to see him again. But uh, it was mm-hmm. still, it was a great experience. <laughs>
0: you and I have a, have a little bit of similarities in that regard. I mean, my sawmill story isn't as, is, isn't as lovely as yours. In fact, it's not lovely at all, but my, when I was with, with OSHA, the very first fatality investigation I ever uh, did was at a sawmill. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I can,
1: I, I can only imagine how, how bad that
0: was. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, I have a very vivid picture in my mind of, of sawmills and, and what that was like mm-hmm. at the time. And, and, Wow, what a great way for you as a professional to learn hazard recognition skills too. I mean, because gosh, sawmills they its that's unforgiving. It is.
1: It is. It was. Um, it was definitely a a great place to start the career because it was kind of the extreme um, mm-hmm. with all the all the different hazards and um, just. Trying to understand quickly, you know, control of, of zero energy, <laughs> hazardous yeah. energy, and um, all, all of the moving parts in that facility, and, and then it was a union facility, so, oh, wow, yes, and, and getting to learn firsthand a union facility, and what union relations are like, and again, I got lucky with, we had one of the best unions, and union presidents, Um, (laughs) that I'd I'd ever worked, that I've ever worked with since. Um, They (laughs) were, they believed in safety and, and they were all very committed to the different programs, what we were trying to do.
0: And you got to see firsthand through the VPP process what the connection between government and unions and the employer is like as well.
1: Yes, yes. I sat yeah. in, again, during that preliminary, I was able to yeah. sit set in and on some of the, um, they let me sit in on one or two of the conversations with the associates, I mean, with the permission, permission of the associate, of course. Um, right. Again, just to see what that's like. and And yes, it was very eye-opening, again, especially when you're three or four weeks into this job trying Uh to understand, Uh you know, what it is I'm supposed to be doing, Um, and and hearing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the union president and a couple of the other other associates' uh, employees talk about the commitment that the Mm -hmm. sawmill leadership had and the things that they had done through the years to support them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was amazing.
0: Wow. Wow, that is a really a great story. And and you know, for anyone who's listening and thinking, gosh, I don't know very much about unions or I haven't worked in a union shop, what is Jill talking about with seeing the dynamics between the government, the unions, and the employer? Um, in in the world of OSHA, um the the union representatives, the union itself has the same rights as the employer in the eyes of OSHA. And so they have access to the same inspection processes, same information. They get copies of everything. Get to be part of OSHA proceedings if they want to be. And and so if if someone doesn't know what that connection is, um, it's there. So you know. So Rusty, you're you're at the sawmill for what did you say? Three years? Four what, years. What happens? Four years. Okay. So what happens next? After so that? so
1: after four years, I I wasn't sure if I wanted to say stay in um stay in safety. Uh, it had mm-hmm. been a very interesting, um, again, four years, but I just, I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so I actually left the company and um, moved away from North Carolina and, and originally went to work um, for a employee temporary agency temporary agency company and it didn't last very long because I quickly quickly realized that no this isn't what I want to do either Mm -hmm. Um, was it
0: in safety again working for the temp agency no it was
1: it was actually just being a recruiter for a temp temp agency um and it was again as I said a very brief stint and I went right back into safety (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Uh and where did you go where did you go so
1: that position um i was actually a a, a corporate director for a small company um they were a a commercial tire company uh in the midwest and so i worked there for just just a year and then um went back to sawmills back in the south and Mm. went back to sawmills for a year and a half and then eventually landed in consulting for mm-hmm. about four years. So I bounced around there for a little bit, again, not under, not really sure what I wanted to do, and I, but I kept finding my way back to safety, and I just, I kept finding fulfillment um, within the EHS field. Uh, every time I tried to kind of ease out of it, I, I just, I wasn't as Um I, I didn't get, it, it always felt like I wasn't getting to help us, help people, um,
0: yeah. and, and really, and was that the- Mm-hmm. Was that the fulfillment piece? It Being was,
1: it was, yeah. and it took me a bit to realize that, but that's really what it was. I enjoy, um, trying to help people, trying to solve problems, trying to help people solve their own problems. Um, mm-hmm. just, uh, I, I don't always enjoy the, the negative side of safety as we all know. I mean, sometimes you have to help people by doing, um, Giving them hard, hard conversations um, or, yeah. or in some cases, you know, enforcing disciplinary action and, and even um, letting associates go because of violations. And I hate that piece of it, but at the yeah. same time, I accept it because it's the right thing to do. I am still helping the associate in that mm-hmm. getting them to leave the company where they can't follow safety rules and, and they might get hurt. Um, I just ultimately that's, that's a good thing for them. Yeah. Great. Um, so. So, yeah. So <laughs> I, I came back. I, I keep coming back, keep staying in safety. And, and it really is about, you know, as I said, um, helping people um, and not just associates. I enjoy helping management tie, you know, help senior leadership tie in the vision of what they think safety should be, what it is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk,
0: talk, talk more about that. I mean, that's kind of the holy grail of our practice, right? I mean, everybody talks about it. It's in every article. It's at every conference about, you know, it, um, hmm. explaining our work to management and then also leading with them.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And and I have found, you, you know, throughout your entire career in, in the safety profession, regardless of where you're at level wise or job title wise, you're always doing a little bit of that, um, but I, at the, my current position, I feel like I've done more of it. Um, I'm tied in more with that senior leadership in this national director's position. And mm. I have found where in this position, I'm working more with that vision of, mm. this is where the company has been. Um, mm. The company that I work for, ESFM, we're an in integrated facilities management. It has um, growing by leaps and bounds. Um, integrated facilities management is a a growing field in the first place and then our company is is kind of leading the leading the charge with that growth um as a company as well and so i have um done a lot of work recently with trying to talk to different leaders within the company and and seeing what their vision is and and helping explain to them, you know, this is where we're at. You know, we, it's not that we don't have a bad safety program. We do actually have a very good safety program. Um, But there are gaps with every, I mean, even with the best safety programs, you're going to have gaps. So Mm -hmm. we've done a lot of working with senior leaderships to identify that, talk to them about what their vision wants to, what they, what they want the vision to be, and sometimes help them figure that out. Um, Because,
0: yeah,
1: especially with, you know, leadership that doesn't have, or hasn't, dealt in that realm of or or been exposed to the safety field very much they don't always know what a good program looks like or what what good looks like or That's what great right. looks like right yeah
0: or what even the pieces that are part of it yeah,
1: absolutely absolutely and so um i've got to to have those conversations and um sometimes and in, in with some conversations get very granular <laughs> to right. To to explain it. And that's okay. Because at the end of the day, I think, you know, I think all senior leadership, people in general, people in general want to do the right thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it's not always an easy conversation, because, again, we're trying to run a business, right? And so sometimes there's that competing priorities and, and just... But having sitting down and having those conversations, I think, is just the first step of Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what works best for this company, what works best for this team, what
0: works best for this facility. Um, That's a really beautiful way to talk about it as a vision. I love that. I love that. To be able to sit with different leaders and ask, I mean, do you ask that simple question to start with, Rusty? Like, what does... What is your vision of a, a healthy and safe workplace look like? I mean, is that kind of where you start?
1: Yes. Depending on who that leader is, what I know about that person. Yeah. Some of the questions are very basic. And what do you know about safety? What is, what are, what do you think safety is? Where do you think we mm-hmm. are? What would you, what do you think your vision should be? Or what do you want it to be? Um, mm-hmm. Those are, you You just have to start with those easy and simple questions to, yeah to get a feel for what, for what that person is looking for, what, what they even think, because it might, there might be a, a piece of it for you as a safety professional, that has to be education. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you won't know that until you ask those questions.
0: Yeah, and I imagine that each person you speak with maybe has some different drivers in their head. I'm guessing that maybe some people want to know more data sort of things. Yes. Like, tell me about what we're experiencing. Tell me our injuries. Mm-hmm. Tell me tell me what others like us are like, and others might be more along the lines of, well, let's talk about the, the human beings and how they act day to day or, you know, other other drivers.
1: Absolutely. Um, I heard once in a uh, communications course that I took internally with a company, um, they, the, the person teaching the class said that the majority of us are either visual thinkers or analytical thinkers. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm a visual thinker. I want, if you're explaining something to me, explaining a concept, I want you to paint me a picture. Yeah. But analytical thinkers, they want that data. They say, you know, give me a graph. <laughs> <Yep>. Um <laughs> gi- give me rates uh and and they don't put they don't put pictures in their head. Everything is very much mm-hmm. um just thinking th- through uh through those concepts. So we have to figure out, you know, what the, what's the communication style of the person you're speaking to or who you're trying to influence or or who you're trying to get influence and and that's where you begin.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really beautiful. What a great takeaway for our listeners is to ask about that vision. I love that. So Rusty, you've been in the industry over 20 years now. Um, what other industries have you worked in? What sort of things did you pick up on as a young professional?
1: So yes, I have been in the in the field for 20 plus years now. Um, I worked in obviously sawmills. I did mm-hmm. consulting for a while in the automotive and utilities um, mm. I did. I worked in the semiconductor industry um, mm. with a company. I worked in a pulp mill, so kind of along the lines with that yeah. uh, sawmill. Most sawmills are mm-hmm. somehow connected to pulp mills as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, then I found myself with my current company, ESFM, which is in um, integrated facilities management, which is a, a very different from. Similar, but different from what my previous all my previous experience
0: was yeah, and you you mentioned that integrated facilities management is is kind of a a growing field for for anyone who's not familiar with really what that type of industry is or does do you do you want to explain yes, it a bit
1: absolutely yeah. absolutely um so when I first applied for this job, I had to get my new boss to explain it to me as well because uh-huh. <laughs> um so some companies out there have internal Um, Facilities management, um, facilities maintenance uh, departments within their companies. Mm -hmm. And really, Mm -hmm. what facilities management is, is it's the group that takes care of the building, um, takes care of the infrastructure of the site, Mm -hmm. while Mm -hmm. All the other associates, all the other departments focus on making the product that the business makes, right? So if you're in a ph- pharmaceutical company, you know, the, the the primary business is making drugs. Um, but then there's a whole department that's got to maintain the building and the grounds um, mm-hmm. uh, that, that those drugs are being made in. So mm-hmm. um, integrated facilities management is just the entire... Um, service lines, I would probably call it. um, All the various service lines that make up maintaining a facility. So that Mm -hmm. could be um, roof work, uh, it could be Okay, I'm going to have to stop again. My dog is whining in the
0: background. I think I think we're okay to okay. say and acknowledge for anyone who's hearing a little bit of whining in the background yeah. right now. Rusty has a basset hound who is going to be heard today, Rusty quickly before we, you know, keep talking about integrated facilities management. What's the name of the basset hound?
1: The basset hound's name is Zoe.
0: Oh, Zoe. Yes.
1: And <laughs> she is a little upset that I'm not paying attention to her.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Zoe. We're, the Zoe's vision is not to have be distracted. She wants all of the attention on her. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: Okay. All, all
0: right. Yes. Yeah, so please, okay. please continue.
1: Okay. Testing. Okay. Um, so integrated integrated facilities management is the different. Um, I would say departments or service lines that take care of the the building or the grounds. So mm-hmm. we've got you know roof work taking care of the actual building. Itself. So there's roof work, there's windows cleaning, um, replacements, Uh, HVAC systems, HVAC systems, absolutely boilers, chillers. Mm -hmm. Then there's you know janitorial services, light maintenance, Mm -hmm. replacing ceiling tiles, uh, landscaping. All of those things, all of those different lines make up um, integrated facilities management.
0: Sure. Sure. And so you have employees within your company that go into other organizations to do this work
1: correct correct um facilities management um some people call it outsourcing but it it has it was it's been around for a very long time it Mm -hmm. has its origins in europe who does europe uh our company our our company has um a presence in europe and it's a lot more Frequently done over there, and so it's a growing industry in the U.S. There are a lot of our clients are pharmaceutical companies. We do have some automotive companies. Um, we do have our particular sector's focuses on manufacturing, um, and so yeah. we do have a lot of business in the U.S. And it's just it's growing. It's it's becoming more and more many more and more companies are realizing that you know what we don't want to focus on. That we want to outsource mm-hmm. that to, you know, we want to subcontract that to these other companies, and then we want to focus on our mm-hmm. business. Um, and what frequently happens is, you know, it, they they pick a company such as ourselves, ESFM, and either we self perform the services or we subcontract those out. So, for example, sure. we're, we're not going to replace a roof, um, so we would, but we would be that general. General contractor that subcontracts them out, yeah. um, and then there are sometimes it depends depending on the location. You know, we can hire somebody uh, or we can subcontract a job out cheaper than we can do it ourselves. And so, we just do what's best for the client um, from a cost savings perspective, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's just a. a combination of either we're self-performing the the business or we're subcontracting it out and managing the contracts.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a really great way for you and your team, if you want to talk about, you know, the people that you work with, because you mentioned your, did you say you're the national leader? Yeah. National director. Yeah. And so you must have a team of people you work with. And what I'm thinking as I'm hearing this is that, what a great way for other EHS professionals to learn a lot about a lot of different kinds of industry. I mean, you said you have some niches, but manufacturing itself, you get to see a lot of things.
1: Absolutely. Yes, we do. We do. And it's it's been a very interesting um, journey for me because, as I said, I, I didn't know what facilities management was when I first applied for the job. Oh, and man. I remember thinking that first interview going, wow, that sounds really cool to work and learn about all these different Um, manufacturers and, and different things, industries. And so, yes, we, the team that I work with, so I don't have any direct reports, even though I'm a national director, I don't have any direct reports. I have a whole bunch of indirect reports. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of our larger accounts, our larger clients will have their own EHS manager or, or director working specifically for them. And it all depends on, you know, just the the hazards associated with it, and the amount of associates that are going to be on a on an account, and then I provide guidance and resource to mm-hmm. um, all the different safety professionals um, in our organization, and we also get together frequently when we can um, to share best practices also across industries, so what works in you know say automotive manufacturing um, may work in pharmaceutical or vice versa. Um, And so we do try to get together and and do some best practice sharing where we can with that doesn't always work. We've got oil and gas where a lot of things, a lot of the more restrictive safety policies come from doesn't always work um, with some of the other, other industries, but we always try to have those conversations about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and speaking of getting together, you and um, many of the people on your team got together at ASSP 2023 in San Antonio not too long ago. And I got to meet some of your team and many of them agreed to be part of this podcast. Um, So if anybody wants to go and listen to episode 106, it's where 20 different EHS professionals from across so many different industries just took time to share a couple of bits of wisdom and a number of those people were from Rusty's team. So thank you for that, Rusty. That was, it was really, it was really great to hear from the people that you work with.
1: Absolutely. It was a very fun time. Um, They, they had such a good time. It was, we didn't get to have everybody with us, but we did get to, we did take a, a good portion of our group and it just, everyone enjoyed it. Everyone enjoyed the conference as well as getting to talk to you as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was so fun. You know, you've worked in so many different types of industries, Rusty, including, including where you're at now, where you're having so much exposure. Um, I know when we've spoken before, you talk about considering yourself a generalist, which is, you know, what I consider myself too. Can you talk about what that means to you and kind of how you arrived at that?
1: Of course. Um, So for me, I, I think each industry that I worked in, I think perhaps at the time that I worked, I might have thought that (laughs) I spent more time on a particular topic. But that being said, at the end of the day, through all the different companies and and all the different industries, um, I really was always focused on overall hazard recognition, just the, the basics, the fundamentals, hazard recognition making sure that we have, you know, those rules set forth, uh, whether it's policies or programs um, and employee engagement and getting the, the associates involved. Um, but never diving so deep into any particular topic to say, I'm an expert in lockout tagout, or mm-hmm. I'm an expert in confined space entry or hazard communications and any of the other many, many topics out there. Um yeah. I, Again, I I feel like I can talk to and answer um, a little bit on every subject, jack of all trades, master of none, so to speak. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I would never come out and and say, no, no, I'm an expert in that. (laughs) Right,
0: right. Yeah, like PSM is my thing. Like I know PSM. Yeah, I don't. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's kind of what keeps it fun. I mean, and some people listening are saying like, "Oh, I I am an, an expert in a particular area," and and that's awesome because we need them. Agree. And we also and we also need people who know all. A little bit about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> because that, that is our work. Yes, yes. Mm.
1: I mean, I, I have relied upon experts through the years, and I am so yeah. thankful for them. I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm so glad they're there, and, and we need them. But at the same time, just working in the industry that I have, um, it, it's, it was much more important that, that I knew where to go look and, and get the information for any number of topics. Um, yeah yeah and I, I think a lot of professionals out there um are, are that way um I, I think some of the bigger companies have the ability to have some of those experts but I think smaller companies or or those sites that only have one or two EHS people they don't have that luxury to to focus on one really one yeah. particular topic
0: yeah. yeah yeah so thinking back to you know the 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 number of years you've been at this And, you know, like you said, you didn't, you didn't, you came into it with a public relations degree. How, you know, what have you learned along the way? How did you, how did you learn some things and like, how did you pick stuff up? Did you, did you pursue different types of education along the way and conferences or courses or how did you do that?
1: Yes. um, All of the above. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, early on, I went after the, um, I went to the the OSHA train the trainer courses. Um, Some, some of the, uh, the local universities uh, were, were doing OSHA training institutes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And I took some courses with them. um, And then from there, I just, every year was taking something, whether Mm -hmm. some of the companies Mm -hmm. that I worked for had internal safety conferences where they would put on topics that are, you know, obviously relevant, more relevant to the company. So I learned internally, but I was also, almost always taking some type of external course, Um, and I will admit that it was a few years into it, um, I was a few years into my career uh, before I got involved with um, ASSP, uh, Mm -hmm. and also before I looked into becoming a certified safety professional, Um, and I completely admit early on with the certified safety professional, I was doing it um, because I didn't have an education or a background in—I'm um, sorry, not background, but an education in safety—I yeah. um, felt that kind of limited limited me, and so I was looking mm. at mm. the certified safety professional more as a validation uh, for sure. for my resume <laughs> and and getting that you know additional. Okay, like, hey, I know a little. Something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you do,
0: Rusty. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So, um, but honestly, once I. Once I actually researched it and went after it, I realized, you know, the certified safety professional um uh was so much more um than just that. Uh, so much mm-hmm. more than just validation. Even though that is a, a, a big piece of it, it, it opens up so many more doors. Being a part yeah. of ASSP is the same way. Um it's it just it becomes a network Uh, not only of professionals you can reach out to, beyond just that education portion that most people look at initially for, then that opens up the network. And then the conferences, as you mentioned earlier about us all being at the ASSP conference, Mm -hmm. those annual conferences are just a wealth of knowledge. And it was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring members of the team to it because some of them are new in their careers um, and Mm -hmm. they've only ever worked in safety on this one account Um, This is their only experience, and so Mm -hmm. being able to meet other safety professionals, being able to be exposed to the wide variety of what the safety profession is at those conferences, I just think is, is just invaluable.
0: Yeah, I do too. It's, it's really fun. I mean, it was so fun to listen to that podcast recording after speaking with 20 people. I'm like, wow. Like, you know, just being able to hear all these voices in the same recording, like I'm in this industry and I'm in that industry Mm -hmm. and I've had this responsibility or started out in this, but then this happened. And it was, yeah, it was, it was exactly what you said. Extremely validating. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. You know, starting out when you, when you did, um, when we spoke earlier, you talked about what it was like being the only female on a management team, particularly as a young person. Um, what sort of things would you like to share about that and or advice for people now?
1: So, yes, I was the youngest female and only female on the management team of that first sawmill and and actually on the, the next sawmill that I worked at as well. Um, See, I that first position I was 24. Um and I think yeah, wow. mm-hmm. yes, the next oldest was 40. I, yeah. Yes, I think around in that that time or around in that those eight those age ranges, but um it was again just a huge learning experience for me to to interact. Um it you know, sawmills, paper mills, um heck, the safety profession is a male still a male dominated profession yeah. um, it's still mm-hmm. improved I mean exponentially since you know even twenty years ago, but it still is predominantly um, males, but especially in the sawmills it, it yeah. was and you know i again I was lucky with the amazing group of people that I got to work with, and they taught me about business um, they taught me you know about the interaction of safety and business and and the importance of you know yes we have absolute you know rules to follow from a safety perspective there are things that we have to do going into those conversations with my counterparts with an open mind um, and trying to work with them to find a solution as opposed to trying to prescribe that solution mm-hmm. made the the conversation and got the buy-in that was typically needed to enact that solution um mm-hmm. That was vital for me to learn to be again it, communicate and open mind and being open minded um and mm-hmm. just it, it made everything go so much smoother and i, I think that would be probably my biggest fo- advice for anyone coming into the safety profession um
0: yeah not to pres- not to prescribe mm-hmm. exactly exactly um
1: be open to have those conversations. Every conversation, be over communicate, <laughs> yeah. um, but but be open to those conversations and trying to figure out a solution together. Because those solutions are almost always going to be implemented more successfully most of the time um, than anything that you would try to come up with by yourself or prescribe.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes complete sense. That's, that's how I've practiced as well. I mean, especially, especially when you're, you know, you're not the expert in a particular, oh, you know, a, a work area, a process, a project, the, you know, the person who does the job for eight or 10 hours a day mm-hmm. knows the work in a way that you never will. Absolutely. And being able to have, yeah, and being able to have that conversation, like, okay, I've identified this, this, and this as what I see as risks, you know, tell me about that. And then how can we mitigate around it? Or however that conversation goes, but to do it in community with, with people.
1: That's a good, that's a good word right there. Community. Um, because that facility or that company that you work for, it is a community and, uh, just trying to get those, ha- trying to have those conversations and get those buy-ins, uh, is just, it's going to make the process go so much smoother. I always, whenever I do a, any type of electrical training, um, yeah. <laughs> it never fails I have an electrician or several electricians in the course. And I always start the the training
0: with, (laughs) I'm not an electrician electrician and (laughs) I am not
1: an expert. So (laughs) if we have any very specific questions, I am going to call on my experts sitting in this row over Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. to help me answer, because Mm -hmm. quite frankly, to me, electricity is magic. (laughs) I just (laughs) don't understand it. It's magical. Uh-huh. Um, so It's
0: it's deadly, it's magical. Exactly. And, yeah, amazed every time I flip a switch. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So uh it that typically always gets chuckle out of the electricians and also makes him um a little bit more likely to to pipe up and answer questions when when I absolutely don't know the answer on something. Yeah,
0: To use them as a help aid. That makes sense. Oh, that makes does. sense. Yeah. Um uh, rusty uh hard rate right turn here. Okay. Um, okay <laughs> <laughs> I have this in my notes about what you learned about buying a new car as an EHS professional. <laughs> tell us about that. I mean, we've talked about visioning, we've talked about being in community with people tell yeah what can you school oh. us on about buying a new car when you're an EHs professional?
1: So um, think long and hard <laughs> before you do that. And we're not
0: talking about interest rates right now. No,
1: we're not. We're not. Uh Um, So early on in my career, um, and and now things are a little bit different in the safety field as they were, again, 20 years ago. And we all recognize that. But 20 years ago, it was common for um, us to have some type of accident injury um, and Mm -hmm. put that injured person directly into our vehicle, especially depending on where we were depending on the work location because it could have been it's quicker for us to drive them to the hospital versus to get an ambulance out there Um, sure
0: so i mean and it sounds like you worked in pretty rural locations at the start of your career i did
1: i did so um so so as you can imagine what happened is i went out and bought a brand new car now it wasn't brand spanking new but it was very new and it was obviously new to me um yeah but it was it was fairly new. And as you can imagine, we had an accident. Um, mm-hmm. An and associate uh, amputated their finger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And thankfully, we knew where it was. We were able to put the finger on ice um, and wrap the associate uh, in some towels, their hand in some towels. And then, of course, I proceeded to not thinking, not giving a second thought, put them into my new vehicle and go take them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. As, you
0: <laughs> yeah. Oops. Thankfully,
1: the associate was fine. Let's, let's, let's start the end of the story with that. The associate yeah, yeah. was thankfully fine. They were able to successfully reattach that particular finger that sat in ice in my lap on that drive.
0: Um, yeah the things that we do in our work life yes. absolutely mm-hmm.
1: needless to say my, my new car didn't survive that mm-hmm. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had remnants of that very friendly wonderful associate for the rest of the time that I owned that vehicle mm-hmm. um, in my car
0: as a constant reminder of the work that we absolutely. do and that has, mm-hmm. absolutely
1: and you know in that situation again myself and the associate we didn't think anything about it but after the fact it was like, oh God, rescue your car. <laughs> he said, he's like, you know, just let me know. I'll try to wash it. I'm like, stop. You're not going to wash yeah. my car. It's all Uh, good. It's all good. It's all good. I'll worry about that later.
0: Let's worry about your finger. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, so yes, the safety spills over into, into our home life by extension your car in this case. I know that you had mentioned that your, your spouse is, I think in manufacturing or something, does safety come up in your, in your home life at, at home or how does that work for you? Yes. Yes.
1: Our, our dinner conversation is, is, um, (laughs) very work related he is a operations manager um for wood products so he got his Mm -hmm. start in sawmill uh, as well which is where we met um he's progressed over to engineered wood products and plywood and and stuff but as a leader his responsibility is safety he has safety managers that work for him um Mm. so frequently yes our conversations are hey you know we've got this situation going on at work what would you do you know how would you handle this um yeah. and uh you know vice versa you know i'll ask him questions about um monetary you know bill uh, not bill budgeting um and you know how how does company how do companies do mm-hmm. this um mm-hmm. and so he gives me that operations perspective and um so yeah it, it's it's an it's always an interesting conversation, especially when you know friends that don't work in manufacturing come over. Uh-huh. <laughs> if, if well, we, you have your
0: own you have your own language. We do, we do, and we have to stop and go. Do we have other stuff to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is wonderful. I mean, anybody who's listening to this who's maybe starting out in their career, and you're like, wait a minute, what what about operations? I mean, we it, it, operations is an integral piece of the work that we do. And sometimes operations owns safety, as in Rusty's just saying that that her husband has people who report to him in the safety role. Sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes operation just gets it dumped on them because there isn't an actual safety person. Mm-hmm. And then oftentimes those of us in the EHS field end up partnering with operations because of re- what Rusty just said. They have budget. Yes, and we don't often have budgets.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> budgets budgets for safety are are um, sometimes an oxymoron, depending on the company. <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, for sure. But they always oh. they always figure it out. Even even if we don't have a, a a budget per se, we always most companies always get it figured out.
0: Yeah. Well, ho- home improvement projects around your house must be pretty interesting between the two of you. <laughs> it
1: is, it is. He wants to do it very precisely, and I'm just worried about where you know. Do we have the proper PPE? Do we? Uh-huh. Uh, do you have <laughs> fall protection on to be on the roof? <laughs>
0: Oh, it's so true! It's yep. so true.
1: Contractors um, do not like us.
0: <laughs> at our house. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they don't. You're you're asking for proof of their insurance. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, I want to see documented proof of this. That's wonderful. Uh, oh man, what a good what a good run! Um, <laughs> yeah, Rusty. You know, when you think when you think about your career today, um, you know what sort of what sort of advice do you have for people in the in the work right now?
1: Probably my biggest piece of advice is um, always keep your chin up. Um, mm. Mm. In, in our field, mm. we are not always people's favorite people. Um, yeah. Sometimes we are. That's the great thing. It's, it's sometimes 50-50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: That's absolutely true, especially when things are going sideways. <laughs> exactly. We're everybody's hero. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's oftentimes a thankless job. Um, people, people call for help, you give them the help, um, and then when you need help, they maybe forget that they, mm-hmm. you helped them previously. Um, it, it's, it's, we're in the background of a lot of times as safety professionals. Um, mm-hmm. I think, but more than anything, um, I would tell people to keep their chin up and to remember that they are helping people. Um, mm-hmm. you're making your company, you're making the people you work around better. Um, You're improving your slice of the world. um, With Mm. every accident that you prevent, Mm. every injury that you prevent, you're improving somebody's life. Mm. Um, And I I think, I think that's uh, one of the biggest things for safety professionals. We do have a large section or not a large, but you know, we, we do have safety burnout there. It's our profession does have a, lar- uh, a a piece of that burnout picture in it where, and and it's exactly due to what I just said. You know, sometimes yeah. it's it's we we don't get the recognition or we don't see um, what we do. We don't see how we're. It's not even outward recognition. We don't give ourselves the recognition that we deserve and seeing on how we're helping. Um, yeah. And so I think that more than anything is is you know forgive yourself for the mistakes that you make and keep your chin up and and realize that you are helping. You're helping Mm. others and you're improving um, your company and you're improving uh, the people that you work with. You're improving their lives as well.
0: Mm. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Rusty, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share your story. Uh, wonderful wonderful bits of learning for our listeners today thank you so much
1: absolutely thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure talking to you and and uh, this was a great experience for me i appreciate it
0: yeah and you know thanks to zoe as well for <laughs> joining in our first basset hound on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and thank you all for spending your time listening today and more importantly thank you for your contribution toward the common good making sure your workers, including your temporary workers, make it home safe every day. If you aren't subscribed in one of your past and future episodes, you can subscribe in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or any other podcast player you call it. We'd love it if you could re- leave a rating and review us on iTunes. It really helps us connect the show with more and more health and safety professionals like Rusty and I. Special thanks to Emily Gould, our podcast producer. And until next time, thanks for listening.